the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. God strictly forbid these kind of things. Deuteronomy 4.19, God said, And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things. The Lord your God is a portion to all the nations under heaven. In other words, listen, folks, it's great. Appreciate the handiwork of God's creation. I love a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise. I love the constellations and the stars against the night sky. Just don't bow down and worship them. And that's what Manasseh was doing. This is Cornerstone Connection the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Chronicles. It's almost impossible to look at all the wondrous aspects of creation and not be amazed. From the vastness of space and its trillions of stars to the tiniest creature, there's so much to admire. There's nothing wrong with this unless you start to worship the creation instead of the creator. This was one of King Manasseh's many sins, as we'll learn in today's teaching. Pastor Gary shares how this evil king led Judah to stumble in the same wicked practices of the pagan nations around them. But God gets the last word, and it's full of mercy. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapters 29 to 33, for part one of today's message titled, Second Chances. Let's open our Bibles. 2 Chronicles 33 is where we are. So let me jump right in as you're finding your way there to 2 Chronicles 33. And let me just highlight a little bit about the guy that we're going to be looking at today. His name is Manasseh. He's one of the kings of Judah. And here are some bullet points about him. In Hebrew, his name is pronounced Manasseh, and it translates causing to forget. So, I mean, not the most endearing name for your child, but, you know, forget you. But anyhow, that's, that's what he gets. He's 12 years old when he becomes king. Very young because his father Hezekiah died, so he takes over as king at the age of 12. He reigned longer than any other king of Judah or Israel for 55 years. And he was a bad boy. I mean, the Bible says in verse 2 of this 33rd chapter that he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And Manasseh is considered the most evil of all the kings of Israel and Judah by the ancient rabbis. So that's the guy we're going to be looking at. And I'm going to read the first nine verses of chapter 33 and dive into our study. Verse 1 says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. 
and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. He took the carved image he had made and put it in God's temple, of which God had said to David and to his son Solomon, In this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again make the feet of the Israelites leave the land I assigned to your forefathers, if only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them, concerning all the laws, decrees, and ordinances given through Moses. But Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray, so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Even if you were born after 75, you will still be familiar with the number one hit song in 1975, Linda Ronstadt, You're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. I'm going to say it again. All right, thanks very much. I don't know if the applause was, that's wonderful, or please stop, you know, but... So even if you've been born after 1975, we all know that song. I think Linda Ronstadt sang that song about Manasseh. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, there's seriously nothing good about this guy. When you look at these first nine verses about Manasseh, nothing good. Nothing good at all. I refer to him as Sassy Manasseh because he is a mess. This guy is off the rails evil and wicked. Now I'm going to highlight for you the verses we just read. The seven deadly sins of Manasseh, because these are the things that he's guilty of. Now, note this. He is a very evil, wicked man. We're going to look at the list of seven, but don't be discouraged because the latter part of his life is a good story. But the first part we have to understand in order to appreciate what God did in his life in the second half. Here is the summary of the seven deadly sins of Manasseh in the first nine verses here of chapter 33. And I'm just going to kind of go through these and explain them, and then you can better appreciate what happens at the latter part of his life. In verse 2, it tells us, number one, that he followed evil practices of other nations. You see, when God gave the land to the Jews, he had told them in advance that the nations that I am dispossessing are evil, wicked, pagan people. The Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, all these people groups that God drove out on behalf of the Jews because he had already predetermined that this is the land that I am giving to you on oath that I've sworn to your forefathers. He says, but listen, when you get to this land, do not imitate the practices of the people that I'm driving out. Because they are evil and they are wicked. In fact, God outlined it. You don't need to turn there, but if you want to jot the verses, it's Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 12. This is what God said in advance to the people before they entered the promised land. He said, Deuteronomy 18, 9, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, 
who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium, or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you. So God makes a list. He says, listen, do not do what the nations are doing that I am dispossessing before you. And Manasseh breaks every rule. He does everything. He's guilty of doing everything I just read to you from Deuteronomy 18, that God specifically said, don't do. He does all of it. So he follows the evil practices of the nations. Also, number two, he rebuilt the high places of idolatry. Now, the high places typically in Israel were small hills or elevated peaks where during a time of idolatry, the people would build these little shrines. And the idea was that if we build them on high places, that's why they were called high places, that then we'd be closer to the heavens and closer to our gods. And Israel was guilty during this time period of building these shrines these places of idolatrous worship. Now, it says here that he rebuilt these places because his father Hezekiah, who was a relatively good king before him, had destroyed all these places. Manasseh comes along, he says, no, we're going to build them back up. We're going to build up the high places again, and we're going to serve these other gods. And so, in essence, what he does is Manasseh establishes the worship of Baal. That was the predominant false god of the day. The worship of Baal as the state-sanctioned religion. That's basically what he does. He's like, as king of Judah, we are going to worship Baal. We're going to set up all these shrines in the high places. And Baal is going to be the state-sanctioned worship. And so he's guilty of that. Number three on the list says that he built altars to Baal, made Asherah poles, and carved images for the temple of the Lord. That's verses 3 and 6. Now, it would be one thing to abolish the worship of God, okay? But he goes even a step further. It's tragic, but his father, Hezekiah, was a good man, and Hezekiah's father, Ahaz, was not a good man. Ahaz was guilty of shutting the temple doors. Ahaz was guilty of saying, I don't want anybody to go to church. We don't need to seek God. So he shut the temple doors. That's bad enough. But what Manasseh is doing here is his father, Hezekiah, has reopened the temple doors because dad was a good guy. But Manasseh now is bringing idols into the church, into the temple of God there in Jerusalem. So it's one thing to shut the doors, that's bad enough, but to open them up and now to bring in, he's making altars to Baal, he's carving Asherah poles, we've talked about that ad infinitum, so we don't need to go over Asherah poles again, and he's bringing these images into the temple to worship these false gods. And it's interesting to note that where it talks about how he desecrated the temple of God by bringing in these altars, it also adds as a commentary, verse 4 and in verse 7, God adds, well, this is the place that I said my name will be forever. So God is adding this commentary that what Manasseh was doing was a deliberate affront to the sacredness and the holiness of the name of God. You are now turning the temple of God into a place of idolatry. So he's guilty of that. Number four on the list says that he worshiped the stars. In fact, in verse three, it says that he actually bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshiped them. You know, it is one thing to study the constellations, okay? Astrology, in its basic definition, is the study of the constellations, of the stars. But astrology has really migrated over the period of history, really, 
to more than just studying the stars, a lot of people unfortunately look to the stars as their answer and guidance and solution and counsel. And what he's actually doing here is doing something that can be traced back 3,000 years. Because you can trace all occult practices and all astrological, the worship of the stars to ancient Babylon 3,000 years ago. And what the ancient Babylonians did, they actually were the first ones who came up with the astrological chart. You know, what today what we call like the zodiac chart and what's your sign and horoscopes and all this kind of stuff. Ancient Babylon's first ones who came up with that. What they did was they looked at where the constellation was in relation to the sun and the earth when you were born. And they came up with this whole astrological chart. And it is what has been followed for 3,000 years by people who are really into that thing, who look to the stars as their source of guidance and counsel. So, you know, people who are really, you know, most people like have looked at a chart, at least know where they are. And so they think about their lives being guided by the stars. So like, I'm Gemini, and I'm Aquarius, and I'm Sagittarius. What are you? Cancer? What are you? Libra? You know, and everybody, you're talking about these things. And then the people who get really into this are like, they won't take a job unless the horoscope tells them that it's the job to take. They won't marry a person who's incompatible with their sign. Never want to do that. Well, here's the real kicker. I don't know if you know this. A couple of years ago, scientists realized that because over 3,000 years, since the astrological charts were first drawn by the ancient Babylonians, over the last 3,000 years, the earth has wobbled. And so now what is aligned is about a month different from 3,000 years ago. (laughs) And they've come up with a whole new astrological chart with the dates now are completely different. And everybody who was waking up on that morning when the scientists announced this a couple years ago were like, I thought I was a Gemini. I'm actually a Taurus. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm married to Sagittarius. Taurus is not supposed to marry Sagittarius. My life is doomed. Uh, What in the world is going on here? So that's a real kicker because now people have been making all their lives decisions based on the stars. And Manasseh is guilty here of bowing down and worshiping the stars and the sun and the moon. And even the Bible says building an altar to them. And God strictly forbid these kind of things. Deuteronomy 4.19, God said, And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things. The Lord your God is a portion to all the nations under heaven. In other words, listen, folks, it's great. Appreciate the handiwork of God's creation. I love a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise. I love the constellations and the stars against the night sky. Just don't bow down and worship them. And that's what Manasseh was doing. Number five, he was guilty of probably the most egregious on the list, sacrificing his sons in the fire. Now, he did this because he was imitating the detestable practices of the nations around him. There were two principal gods of the pagan people around him. Chemosh and Molech were their names. And when the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, when the ancient Phoenicians would worship Chemosh in particular, Chemosh was often designated as a statue with the head of a bull and the body of a man. And they would make iron statues of Chemosh that were hollow. And on the inside, they would kindle a fire so that the iron was just red hot. And this statue having the arms of a man would be fashioned with palms up and arms outstretched to receive an offering. And what people would do, it's unthinkable, but what people would do is they would offer their children in the arms of Chemosh as it was heated up red hot. That's what it means by sacrificing their sons in the fire. 
And Manasseh was doing the exact thing that these ancient pagan kingdoms around him were doing in the worship of Chemosh and Molech. This is unimaginable. The valley in which these children were offered is mentioned right here in verse 6, the valley of Ben-Hinnom. The valley of Ben-Hinnom today has been called the valley of the children. And there's a placard in Israel when you drive over the valley of Ben-Hinnom. There's a placard called In Memory of the Children. Because the Jews today do not want to ever forget the atrocities of their history when children were sacrificed in this place to the worship of these false gods. That place, that location is also called Tophet. In Hebrew, Tophet is from a Hebrew word tof, meaning drums. Because when they would sacrifice their children, they would beat the drums to try to drown out the screams of dying children. That's the name of this place. And this is what King Manasseh was doing, offering his own sons in the fire in the worship of these false gods. And it tells us about Manasseh in 2 Kings 21.16 that moreover, Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end. Number six on the list tells us that he practiced demonic rituals. The latter part of verse six says that he practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft, consulted mediums and spiritists, and he did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And all of those terms, sorcery, divination, witchcraft, consulting of mediums and spiritists, all of that is tied into the demonic. Folks, we need to understand that there are principalities and powers and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 6. There's a demonic realm that is unseen. When Satan rebelled against God in heaven, and the Bible says he took a third of the stars with him, referencing the angels who rebelled with him, those unseen fallen angels are demons. And there are still ways, obviously I'm not encouraging this, but just as a matter of fact, there are still ways that people can tap into the demonic today. What Manasseh was guilty of is today just, you know, been modified. So listen, strong caution here. Don't think that some of this stuff is just, well, it's just Hollywood. It's just wacky. It's just make-believe. Some of it, of course, perhaps is made up. But there's real connection to the demonic with things like seances, Ouija boards, palm reading, tarot cards, all this kind of stuff. And I would strongly caution you, too, to filter television shows and movies because even Hollywood loves to glamorize the dark side of the supernatural to make it seem, you know, engaging and people become enthralled with this kind of thing and fixated on it. But again, some of it is perhaps there are charlatans with this kind of stuff, but the reality is that a lot of this is demonic. We have people consulting mediums to connect with the dead. We even have a reality show. I don't even know if it's still on anymore. It used to be called The Long Island Medium. Is that show still on? I don't know. But listen, you know, you might look at her and go, oh, she's just making this stuff up. I don't think she's making it up at all. I think she's tapping into the demonic to understand the things related to your long lost father, mother, aunt, or uncle. And so these things are demonic and we shouldn't have anything to do with them. Resist any kind of involvement in those kind of things. Leviticus 19.31, God says, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And then number seven on the list, it says that he led Judah astray from the Lord, which is self-explanatory. I mean, what more needs to be said. If you're doing the first six, of course, you're going to be led astray and you're going to lead the people of Israel astray because you're the king. And so that's what's happening here. These are the seven deadly sins of Manasseh. Now you look at this list of this guy and you might think to yourself, and it would be true, you know, pretty evil, pretty wicked. I mean, the Bible describes him that way clearly. But the amazing thing about his story is that God never gave up on him. 
And I don't know where you might be in relation to the Lord or where friends of yours might be. And you might think of yourself or think of others as, man, they're completely lost. And there's no chance for that person to be redeemed. And, you know, look how wicked and evil and sinful. And I want you to note what happens here in Manasseh's life, because the latter half is better than the first half. In verse 10, look at verse 10. It says, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. Now, the last part of that verse is a sad note, but the first part is encouraging because God was still pursuing this evil, wicked man, and God loved him and loved the nation that he didn't give up on them. He went after them. He tried to get their attention. He spoke to them, and the inference is, how did he speak to them? The inference is he spoke to them through the prophets because Ancient Jewish history says, we don't know this for a fact from the Bible, ancient Jewish history says that Isaiah the prophet was sawed in two. He was martyred and sawed in two. There's a reference, a veiled reference to that in Hebrews 11 when it speaks about some of the great men and women of the faith and those even who were sawed in half. And ancient Jewish history tells us that it was King Manasseh who ordered the sawing of Isaiah in two. Because you see, if you're in rebellion against God and there's somebody confronting you about it, you know, you want to shoot the messenger. That's basically what he does. He takes offense that Isaiah is confronting him. And so he doesn't pay any attention to the words of the prophets or whatever God is using to speak to him and to the nation of Judah. No attention at all. King James Version says that they did not hearken to the Lord. Okay, they turned a deaf ear. You know, the truth is that God pursues us, but he also has given us a free will to accept him or reject him. And as much as it breaks the heart of God when people reject him, he doesn't violate that free will, but he will pursue us. Now, he's pursuing Manasseh here and the people of Judah. They're turning a deaf ear. They don't want to have anything to do with God. And as a result, God is going to use a more severe method to get their attention. And the severe method is verse 11. So... The Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. Okay, Manasseh, you're going to turn a deaf ear to me? I love you too much to allow you to be the way you are. You're on the path of destruction. Your life is going to be in ruins. So what does God do? So he allows a foreign kingdom the kingdom of Assyria, which is the territory of today's Iraq and Iran. King of Assyria comes down to Jerusalem, besieges the city. God allows this. This is God's rod of discipline. And Manasseh the king is taken captive. Bible says they put a hook in his nose. The Assyrians were ruthless. They would string people like fish on a string. They put a hook through his nose, which a better image of this would be, if you've ever worked on a farm, you've seen pictures of a bull with a ring in the bull's nose. Because you can control, the old saying is, a toddler can handle a bull with a ring in the nose. Because it's the most sensitive part of the animal and of a human being. They basically would hook through the cartilage between his nostrils. And then they would string him along and drag him like this. Okay? Can you imagine the humiliation, the degradation, the embarrassment? One minute you're king in a palace, the next minute you're a convict in a prison. And this is the way they treated Manasseh. Hauled along like this, like just an animal. Brutally treated. Taken over to Babylon a few hundred miles away. Where God will get a hold of his heart. You know, sometimes God will resort to crises if that's what it takes to turn us around. Because he loves us too much to allow us to remain the way we are. 
You might look at this and think to yourself, how terrible is this? I mean, Manasseh dragged by his nose in bronze shackles, humiliated. How degrading. Why would God do such a thing? Doesn't sound like a very loving God. Let me tell you something. This is the best day of Manasseh's life. This is the best day in Manasseh's life. It is a loving God who sees us on a reckless path and intervenes. It is a cruel God who sees us on a path of self-destruction and does nothing. The book of 2 Chronicles takes us through more of the history of the nation of Israel, sharing their trials and triumphs and the faithfulness of God. Pastor Gary is taking us through this Old Testament book here on Cornerstone Connection. And we pray you've been encouraged by the message you heard today. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, we'd love to have you come join us for one of our weekend services. Our group of believers gathers each week on Sundays and Wednesdays to get to know each other, study God's Word, and spend time worshiping Him for all He's done. Service times and directions can be found on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, be sure to check out more about the church and the activities we have for all ages. You can also access our archive of previous messages under the teaching tab. Did you know you can also take the biblically sound messages of Cornerstone Connection with you on the go? Just download our mobile app to your smartphone for access to each teaching as it's made available. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary has much more to share with us as he continues digging into the book of 2 Chronicles. So we hope you'll join us again here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.